Hi, I'm Dan Pramack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Facebook. Today's Friday, June 19th. Coronavirus cases are rising, prospects of a Major League Baseball season are falling, and we're focused on Juneteenth, Corporate America edition. As you're likely aware, people today are celebrating Juneteenth, a holiday that commemorates the emancipation of Black Americans from the bonds of slavery. And if somehow you hadn't heard of Juneteenth before today, then it's likely you heard about it from your employer or maybe from your favorite brands. Nike, for example, has closed all of its retail stores and offices. Best Buy is letting employees take today as a paid volunteering day. U.S. Bank is closing all of its branches early, and Twitter, Square, Target, Spotify, and more have all made it a corporate holiday. In case you don't work for one of those companies or shop with them, then you are sure to see Juneteenth messages all over corporate social media accounts. What you won't see, though, is many black people in top positions at those companies. There are only four black CEOs in the Fortune 500 right now, and it doesn't get much better elsewhere in the C-suite, despite almost all of those companies talking and talking about how they need to improve their racial diversity. Here's BET founder Robert Johnson speaking earlier today at an Axios Live virtual event when asked if his success is a counterargument to the need to do more and spend more in addressing racial disparities. I am one in 40 million. Or you can say you can add all the other people who've made that kind of wealth and say they're five and 40 million. But you should ask yourself, what would have happened if there were no slaves, if African-Americans were treated with equal opportunity after slavery? Maybe there would be 500, 600 Robert Johnson. All of this brings us to an old idea that's just beginning to get mainstreamed. Quotas. The cover of this week's Bloomberg Business Week explicitly asks if it's time for racial quotas at companies. It's still a pretty radical idea and one that faces lots of legal challenges. But author Rebecca Greenfield points out that some of the same things were said when California passed a law in 2018 that required all public companies in that state to have at least one female director by the end of 2019. That ended up happening. Pipeline problems be damned. The bottom line, nothing else has worked to ease racial disparities in corporate America. So maybe it is time to try something new. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Business Week's Rebecca Greenfield. But first, this. We're joined now by Bloomberg Business Week's Rebecca Greenfield. Why did you decide to write this piece in the first place? Thanks for having me. So I've been covering diversity for a while now, and I know the landscape. I know what companies look like. I know that they are pretty lopsided and do not have representation, especially at the top. I also know that companies spend a lot of money trying to fix this problem. I think there are a lot of well-meaning people trying to achieve fair representation and equality, and yet the needle hasn't moved. And in some cases, we move backwards. And so I really wanted to get into that reality and explore kind of what's not working and what might work. The general argument for racial quotas in hiring and in higher ed isn't new. Jamil Bowie, for example, made this argument in 2013 in an essay. Can you talk to me a little bit about kind of the history of this racial quota debate inside of corporate America? Well, I think this goes all the way back to the idea of affirmative action, which came out of the civil rights movement, which is that racism isn't going to fix itself. Prejudice isn't going to fix itself. And so we need to kind of counteract some of the built-in biases that people have and companies have and hiring committees have to achieve a fairer society. And so quotas are kind of this blunt tool to do that. You just say you have to do it. But over time, the idea of them has become controversial. And in some cases, the Supreme Court has said you can't actually do it. 
The Supreme Court piece has mostly been, and tell me I'm wrong about this, it's mostly been on education, right, rather than specifically about corporate America. Am I right about that or am I wrong about that? The most famous rulings have been on education and, and specifically like started in like public education. So like what the state can do. And a lawyer that I talked to did say that it is legal for private employers to use quotas in limited ways. And I think that people don't fully understand that. I didn't understand that until I talked to him and started reporting this. Is that clear or is that kind of a thing that is, say, waiting for a landmark case? In other words, is it waiting for a real legal challenge? He said that the law has said that it is possible, and I'm just saying what he told me, the law said it is possible to use them in a limited capacity to what he said to fix a manifest imbalance in the workforce. So it's like you kind of just use that short term because you really have this lopsided problem, but not something you can use in perpetuity. What I thought was interesting about your story was the comp you make, and it's specifically to this California law, state law in California, which I think it's all public companies in California to have a woman on their board of directors by what, the end of this year, correct? The end of 2019 was one director and then the numbers go up over time. Talk to me a little bit about the comparison. Is this from your perspective, apples to apples? It's not supposed to be an apples to apples comparison. It is meant to show that this is how quotas can work and do work. Explain a little bit how it has worked in California practically. California passed this law in 2018. They had this requirement by 2019. I think the important thing to know about this law is that if you do not comply, you have to pay a fine. And that fine is $100,000 the first year, and it goes up to triple after that. So it compelled companies to comply who weren't in compliance. And there were a bunch of public companies who had boards that didn't have women on them. And then by the year where they had to comply, women accounted for almost half of new board seats in the state that year, outpacing female hires the rest of the country. So it's not just that like this is a trend that's happening nationwide. It is a trend, I think, that boards are hiring more women, but California outpaced everyone else. There were boards that because they know they're going to have to have more than one woman, they also just complied early with the other regulations and added two or three to their boards. One other thing you mentioned in the story was that kind of beyond legislative solutions, there are ways for boards and other stakeholders to apply pressure. What could some of those other stakeholders right now do to make a difference in terms of getting more African-Americans in positions of power at companies? And in your reporting, did you see any examples of this happening? Yeah, so there are lots of activist investors and shareholders who already do kind of lobby companies using their power, which is that they own our shareholders and own part of the company to get them to disclose the diversity of their boards. A lot of this in the past has been focused on gender. And I think a lot of diversity initiatives have been focused on gender for good reasons, and but has left out kind of this other part of diversity, which is that people of color. And so what I think one thing that would be the next step in that would be for those activist investors and shareholders to start focusing specifically on racial diversity and call it out and say, you need to disclose to us what the racial makeup of your board is. Companies don't have to do that now. It's actually a very hard thing to find and figure out on your own. The next level of that is say, we're going to vote against board members who aren't if you don't have a black person on your board, you know, we're going to vote against it. So there are ways to put the kind of pressure on companies that they need to get them to actually just add people to make representation happen. Peace has been out for a couple of days now. What has the response been that you've gotten either via social media or from folks within corporate America? I think people should know that my Twitter mentions are full of anti-Semitism and racism right now. The white supremacists have found me and they really don't like this argument. So I think that people need to know that this argument has, you know, just even talking about racial diversity 
and representation and doing anything that would kind of actively counteract racism makes a certain group of people upset. Otherwise, I think a lot of people have found the argument kind of refreshing outside of the way we talk about diversity at companies now, which is very just like, you know, we have to put in certain processes and certain people in order and put people in place. And I think some people want just something a little bit more radical. Put yourself five years in the future, maybe even two years in the future. Do you foresee that there will be race-based quotas at companies when it comes to C-suite hiring? I cannot make that prediction. What's your guess? All your money's on the table in Vegas. What's your guess? My guess would be that companies are going to have a lot of good faith targets. Fair enough. Rebecca Greenfield, her piece is the cover right now of Bloomberg Business Week. If there are still newsstands, you should pick it up. If not, there is an internet. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Welcome back. And what we're watching today is Apple, which is coming under increased scrutiny over how it operates its popular app store. In short, there are arguments that the company is abusing its market power in terms of both what it charges app makers and its fairly opaque rules around app store inclusion in the first place. European regulators this week opened an investigation and Congress wants Tim Cook to testify. What comes next could depend on if we hear more from app developers about the troubles they've had with Apple. The makers of a new email app called Hey pierced that veil a bit this week, and maybe will give courage to others who have complained privately, but have been too scared of Apple's power to call out the giant publicly. We're also watching the return of movie theaters and what the rules will be. The CEO of AMC Theaters yesterday told Variety that masks would not be required nationwide when the chain reopens in mid-July because the company doesn't, quote, want to be drawn into a political controversy. He then got roundly criticized, you know, because the virus doesn't care who you vote for. And today he backtracked, saying that masks will be required in all AMC theaters, no matter the state or local regulations. And the last thing we are watching is the launch of a new Axios podcast coming this Monday. It's called Axios Today and will be out early each weekday morning to help get you ready for the day ahead. Consider it your 10-minute bookend to this program, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Again, it is called Axios Today, and I cannot wait to hear what they've put together. We're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national Garfield the Cat Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Axios Recap.